It caught us by surprise, though. But you know what? <laughs> Our God is a way maker. And I don't know where you're at. I know physically you're at this address, which I don't know what it is. But I don't know where you're at today, what you're going through today. I know where I am. I know where my wife Harriet is. And we're very honored to be with you guys here. Mike and Julie are some of our dearest friends. But I know where I'm at. And I'm a mess. where you're at but you do but I want you to know wherever you're at some of you may be in here and you have no job you lost your job some of you may be in here and uh, if you're like my my mom I just lost my dad a few months ago I know Julie just lost a loved one as well very recently and I don't know where you are with that but if you're like my mom she lost a lot of income when my dad passed away so she's had to make a lot of changes that she's not used to. So for some of you guys, there's changes that you're having to make that you're not used to. You're having to walk in situations that you're not used to. You're having to almost start over, it seems, and you're not used to that. what it is that you might need today. Peace, joy, direction, wisdom, discernment. You've come to the right place. You've come to the right place because he's here. The Father is here. The Holy Spirit is in this place if you'll just listen and he'll give you peace. He'll give you direction. He'll give you discernment. He'll give you instruction. You just got to take it. So let this song wash over you. You may know it, you may not. Let it wash over this morning. And be encouraged. Because our Father is a way maker. Even when we feel like there's no way, He is. He's faithful to his word. And we can trust him today. You are here. You're moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. And you're working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Come on, let's do it again. You are here, and you're moving in our midst. And we worship you, and I worship you. I 
Church, tell him that's who you are. In your own heart, in your own mind, would you just pray to the Lord? You tell him who he is to you right now. Because everybody has a different need, but he is here. He'll make a way. stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop never stop working never stop 
church is the way maker today amen god bless you guys you can be seated this morning um, harriet and i my wife harriet raise your hand everybody say hey harriet that's just the most beautiful name i like it hey mikey will you throw i can call him mikey we've been friends for 20 something is that my water bottle or is that yours i was gonna let her flip it and let her land She's good at that, but we are very honored and thankful to be here with you guys uh, this morning. Um, <laughs> he is a way maker, and, uh, but it is an honor. Uh, you guys have, uh, are very blessed to have Mike and Julie here with you guys. Um, the most godly, one of the most godly men I know and uh, one of the most godly men of integrity, and uh, he's the real deal. And for that, very, very thankful he's been a, an inspiration to me, a sounding board, and a solid rock. Even through, man, we've walked through some crazy stuff. Um, but the Lord has just been so good to both of us, both of our families. and um, So for that, we're very, very grateful and very honored to be here with you guys this morning. Um, and I love Mike Welburn, too. I've known Mike for a long time, and I love him. You guys are blessed and honored to uh, have him as well. And so very thankful that he asked. Uh, he didn't even ask Mike permission. He just asked me, and then he told Mike. So it's like, well, that's one way to do it. But I'm very thankful for uh, Mike as well. And y'all pray for, pray for him. He's on vacation, just had a birthday. So some, you know, for us guys that are older, that's depressing when you have a birthday. And, um, you know, you get a discount on your coffee and stuff. So, um, but, man, what I would like to, to uh, lead you guys in before uh, Pastor Mike comes and he preaches the word is uh, just a song that's been resonating in my heart. I told Harriet as, as uh, we were trying to think of what to do. I've been uh, not doing active ministry. Uh, we've, been, we've been doing ministry as we've been caretaking for our parents and are still doing that. But my dad passed away in October, and, and I, would never, I would take anything for not having that opportunity to be right there 
to watch him take his final breath. And that was a, an honor, it was very hard, um, but it was the most precious gift Harry and I were able to have uh, is to see that and um, to experience that with he and my mom and, and uh, my sister as well. And, uh, but knowing where Mike was going with his sermon this morning, it just seemed like this seemed fitting. And uh, just have a little bit, uh, just, to, just to lay it before you guys. Uh, so let it resonate in your spirit today. Um, because before the word is taught today, I pray that you can say to the Lord face to face, which a lot of things that we've done this morning have been face to face before the Lord. Lord, I choose to worship you. I, I, I worship you. This is, that's, that's even though we're congregational and the Lord wants us to be together, it's still, it, we've got to come with our own heart, our own life, personal. We have to make that decision on our own. And so that's what I pray that you guys are able to deal with you this morning. Because when you deal with you, then when we walk out of those doors, we can go deal with them. Because we're in a right spirit and we're in a right mind, body, soul before the Lord. Um, and then it's not just what you do here, because if all you get is what Pastor Mike teaches you, which is great, amazing teaching, and I love his heart. But if that's all you get, that's an appetizer. Your diet needs to come daily in the Word on your own. And so if that's not a habit of yours, I'm praying that that's something that you will start. I feel like the Lord here and I feel like the Lord has given a lot of people the opportunity to slow down because we are way too fast. So I pray that the Lord speaks to you through um, this song. You probably know it um, very well, uh, but let it resonate in your spirit and ask yourself that question, is everything right with you? Is everything well with you before the Lord? And is he your shepherd today? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, what
takes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You got just a tiny little glimmer today of why I love this dude and his sweet bride and their family so much. Uh, God allowed us to do ministry for years together. I was thinking as we were sharing in my office, he was telling me some of the churches they've been visiting during this time, and one of them being Shirley Hills Baptist Church there in Warner Robins, and that's where we were blessed to see that pastor saved on one of the retreats that we did together, and then later on, God called him to ministry. So what a joy to see you today in the house of the Lord. I'll share a little bit more with you at the close of the service about the next step, what God has for the Dollar family, and want to have a time of prayer for them. Take your copy of God's Word, if you will, and turn to Philippians chapter number four. It's been a long journey. We started this journey separately in our homes, our cars in different places, and I'm so thankful that we can kind of land this airplane together today in the house of the Lord. Philippians chapter four is where we'll be, Lord willing. And I'm just going to tell you, if I wasn't locked into a schedule of finishing this, or this, finishing this series and beginning 40 days of passionate worship, a series next week, I'd just given Dollar the whole service today. But it would have messed up the, the whole thing. And already I was out one week when my father-in-law passed away and Chase filled in so great for me. And so I had to combine two sermons into one. But we'll land this airplane today. You ever look around at other people and you feel like, how come God's blessing them like he is? And you feel like maybe God overlooks you and you just want to say, hey, Lord, I'm, oh, don't forget about me. I'm over here. What about me? What about me? 
we probably all go through seasons of life like that. And, and we have walked through, as Pastor James said, some of those seasons together, so we, we get that. But for the child of God, we have the promises of God from his word that my God will supply all of my needs. That is why we can sing from our hearts or our lips that it is well with my soul. I mean, I thought we were coming to the tail end of this whole corona thing. Has this been a year or what? A friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, Una Winter Robbins, said the other day, she said, I wonder if I can take my mama up on that promise that she gave me years ago. I'm about to slap you into next year. Can we just go ahead and do that and get to next year? Maybe you felt that way. I thought we're on the tail end of corona. Now this thing's, you know, cropping up all over again, just as I feel like we're starting to have some normalcy. But as Pastor James said, God's not shocked by any of that. The promises of God all are available to the children of God. Now listen, everybody's not a child of God. Now I know some of you sit up in your seat when I say that. Everybody's not a child of God. Everybody is a creation of God. We've got the same creator, but he's not your father until you repent of your sins and make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. So these promises that God will supply all of our needs are true for his children. The Philippian church had brought much joy to the life of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, who used to be Saul the persecutor, he met Jesus on the Damascus Road after hunting down, killing, and persecuting Christians, and God radically transformed his life, and Saul the persecutor became Paul the persuader. And yet, when he should have been thrown in jail for what he used to do, now he's thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. And he remembered with fondness the church at Philippi and all the joy that they had brought to him. So he wrote this letter in about AD 61 to encourage them to have joy. No less than 16 times in this little book, in one way or another, he uses a derivative of that word joy. And I have come to the conclusion that if that joker can have joy in a jail cell, I can have joy in whatever circumstances of life I find myself in. If you were here last week, or if you're watching online with us last week, we looked in Philippians 4, how to have confidence and contentment through all the circumstances of life. Even a Sahara dust cloud, when you think it can't get any more weird. I mean, I woke up yesterday, I was struggling to breathe. I ain't even been outside yet. I know something's going on, so we've got an air purifier. My wife brought it in the living room and cranked that sucker up on high. But can you still have confidence and contentment in all the circumstances of life? Absolutely you can. So we're still in that context there when we get to Philippians chapter number 4 and the passage we'll look at today. If you're physically able, would you please rise and give honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 18. Paul, writing to the church at Philippi and to us, by divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, says, at the moment, now what was the moment? He was in prison. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me through Epaphroditus. They're a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You can be seated at this time. I shared a little bit with you last week, you know, how you can be confident, content in all the circumstances of life. You know, I'm in my 
I was in my mid-50s when all of a sudden ministry kind of came almost to a pause. I was preaching on the weekends, but I still had bills to pay. Preaching once on the weekend is not going to do that. So I took a job with Nabisco, stocking cookies and crackers. I took a job with a transport company, picking up deceased people and taking them to the funeral home or the crime lab stuff. I never thought I'd be doing in my mid-50s. You never thought you'd be helping your brother-in-law build houses in your mid-50s. Now, there's one thing I don't like about James. Can we just be real? He knows this. I'm not going to shock him. He looks about 15 years younger than me, and he's actually only a few days younger than me, so I struggle with that. I'm just going to be honest. Put that out there. Lord, forgive me for that, that he looks that much younger than me. But things you never thought you would do. I, I forgot about this because I only did it for a little while. Yeah, if you've seen the movie Elf um, with Will Ferrell, it's one of our favorite Christmas movies ever. When he looked at Santa Claus and you said, you smell like, you're not the real Santa Claus, you smell like beef and cheese. Who remembers that line? Well, for a few weeks, I worked at Kroger Deli, and I came home smelling like beef and cheese, and I thought, nope, need to find something else to do. You, but listen, God has taught me, and he taught Paul, and he wants you to know you can be confident and content in all the circumstances of life, because why? My God will supply all of your needs. My papa was my earthly hero, John Shepherd Jr. I mean, he could do no wrong in my eyes. I was the oldest, still am the oldest grandchild, by the way. And I loved and I idolized my papa. God called him home way too early. He was 50, uh, he was 57 years old. I said he was 56, but he was 57, so I'm almost how old I'll be this year. And God called papa home. Well, I was 15, I'd got my learner's permit. Of course, Papa had me driving out on the farms of Crisp County as a little bitty fella. He took a cushion and put it in the seat. Then he let me drive in town because he knew all the police officers. We weren't gonna get any trouble for that. When my Papa died, he knew I was about to turn 16. He left me a car. And I was so thankful, teenagers, you know, when you don't have one, my parents couldn't afford one. That's what it was right there, a 1971 Buick LeSabre. All of Crisp County High School could cruise with me down 16th Avenue in that Buick LeSabre. I was so thankful for that. But you know what? When you start to get your eyes off the Lord and start to look around at other things, I thought, no, wait a minute, I ought to be ashamed driving that thing around. All my friends could cruise with me, but that's a little bit embarrassing to be driving that thing around. And a movie had come out back then called Smokey and the Bandit. Who's old enough to remember that? And I thought, bless God, if Burt Reynolds can have one, I want me to have one too. But that meant I had to work, and I had to work more, and I had to work more to pay insurance for a teenage boy driving one of those. Boy, this will date you. I went to Planet Fitness yesterday for the first time since all this happened. I see a Trans Am, a black one, and it has an antique car tag on it. That'll mess with us, won't it, James, to see that? An antique car tag on a Trans Am. So guess what happened? Then I'm locked in a higher payment. I'm locked in higher insurance. Things started to get crowded in my life. I'm a high school student. I want to get in the University of Georgia. I want to be in the UGA Redcoat Band, a lifelong dream of mine. So I had too much going on, and something had to give. And young people, you know what I had to give in my life, I'm ashamed to tell you, was church, my walk with the Lord. I was far too busy to do all of that. So I just start to compromise, maybe not have a quiet time this time. Or I still was in church every Sunday morning, tithing my little Piggly Wiggly grocery store paycheck. But I wasn't back Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, which back then, you know, you weren't spiritual if you didn't go to church every time the doors were open. Thank God some of that legalism is over, amen. But we're thankful to be back together in the house of the Lord. When you get, take your eyes off of the blessings of God and we start to want more than we can afford, that can lead to our downfall spiritually. It can, things can become idols in our life. Listen, God says he'll provide all of my needs, not necessarily all of my wants. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. 
more than a Trans Am, more than a bigger paycheck, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means living a right life before holy God. And then all these other things will be added unto you. God promises to provide all of my needs, but not necessarily my wants. And our obsessions can derail us spiritually. Number one, write this down on your outline. It's on the back of your worship guide. If you're here for the first time today or watching online, it'll be on your screen. Number one, God blesses us when we invest in the lives of others, in the souls of others. God blesses us when we invest in the souls of others. It's not about me. It's about seeing God bless other people. Look at verse 14 from previously. Ephesians 4.14, even so, Paul said, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. He's in prison. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. He ministered to a lot of churches. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. God blesses you. God blesses me when we invest in the souls of other people. When this coronavirus started, and you know, there's just two of us. Our kids are grown and married and out of the house. And sometimes if you go to Rabbit Town, it's cheaper to eat out than to eat at home. Some places that's not always true. So we weren't going out to eat. We don't go to movies much anyway. We weren't doing some of the things we did. So we had a little extra income. God just kind of put on my heart, I wanted to sow seeds into other ministries that were suffering. Um, uh, Mike Lefebvre, the Lefebvre Quartet, who did a concert for us. All of his concerts dried up. God laid it in our heart to invest in that. Karen Peck in New River. Some of you know Jenna's cousin. Karen, she was off the road. God led us to invest in that with this extra income. Can I just tell you, you cannot outgive God. God gave back every bit that we gave to those ministries right back to us. I don't understand how that happens, but it's God's economy when we invest in the lives of others. Every time you give a gift to Airline Baptist Church, you're touching souls here in Northeast Georgia and the nations around the world. When we're, a, we're a part of something called the Southern Baptist Convention. People often ask me, what's different about us in other Baptist churches? Really? We stand on the Word of God. God's Word is absolute truth, true for all people, for all places, and for all times. We cooperate together in something called the cooperative program. So a portion of every bit of any gifts you give to Airline Baptist Church goes to support missionaries like Danny Rice, one of our former students that you all know well, who's serving in another country. I better not say because it's online. I'll get him in trouble. And other places. We go to support our students at Truett McConnell University where some of you attended. So every time you give a gift to Airline Baptist Church, it doesn't all stay here. It goes to support ministries like Clint Fair and FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes right here in our city. God blesses you when you invest in the lives of others. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. We're giving gifts to help take the gospel across the street and around the world. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6 says, Those who plant in tears, broken heart for the lives of lost people, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed. We're broken hearted over the lostness in the world today, but they sing as they return with the harvest. That's what your gifts do every time you give a financial gift to Airline Baptist Church or any other Bible-believing church. 
church. It is an investment with eternal dividends. Did you hear me? Now, the stock market can be like this. It was doing really, really good. Then all these cases of corona start cropping up, and then it backs up. Man, I'm so thankful I don't have a lot in that mess anyway, so I have to lose any sleep over that. I ain't got much there to start with. But when I give to Jesus, when I make an investment in ministry, that has benefits that are out of this world. We're laying up treasures in heaven, the Bible said. So what's my point? That gift that Epaphroditus brought to Paul in prison, we said last week, it made his faith to blossom again like a flower in springtime. You know, the desire normally, not always, but the desire of little children is to, pr to please our parents. As children, you want the affirmation and the love of your parents. How much more should you and I strive to have the affirmation of our Father who is in heaven? God's Word says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 8, Will a man rob God? God says, Yet you've robbed me, but you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Then God says this, pretty strong language here, not very politically correct, but it's just God's word. You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me. Even this whole nation, he's saying to Israel. Then he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. So do you see, when you give, God just gives right back to you. It's a matter of biblical obedience. And I was always taught that the storehouse, that's the local New Testament church. My tithe, the first 10% of anything minimum that God gives me, automatically, I don't have to pray about it, I don't have to think about it. In fact, because of coronavirus, I just finally gave in. I'm old-fashioned. One of the only checks I write is to Airline Baptist Church, but I finally, during coronavirus, I signed up for online giving, so I get a message every Sunday morning that my tithe has been given. It's a matter of giving back to the Lord, but then anything above and beyond that, what I choose to give to the Lefebvre Quartet, or to Truett McConnell University, or to Choices Pregnancy Center. Those are offerings above my tithe. God says he expects both of those from us. Why? John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. God gave. He gave his very best when he gave the life of his son, Jesus Christ. So are we living to please ourselves and get a transamor, our personal preferences, or do we give to please holy God? God's pleased we invest in the souls of others. Number two, number three, write this down. Did I skip one, y'all? I think I did. Number two, God's pleased when we invest in the souls of others. What happens when you get a little bit excited? Number two, write that down. God's pleased when we invest in the souls of others. At the end of verse 18 there, he says, they're a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And so now I can get to number three. You're able to get that one quickly. We all have needs only God can supply. Amen? We all have needs that only God can supply. Look at verse 19. And this same God, Paul said, who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. Not from a bank account, not from a 401k, from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. In this context, God's pr promising to provide all of our needs. Not to make you necessarily wealthy and have all the things that you want, because again, context is so important in understanding Scripture. Where did Paul write this from? From a prison cell. Did he get out of prison when he wrote that? No, not, not right then. He did not. I mean, it ended up costing him his life. So when I give to God, he promises to provide all of my needs that as much as I love my wife, she can't meet all of my needs. 
I can't meet all of her needs. I can't come close to it unless I'm putting Jesus first in my life, and she's number two in my life. We all have needs only God can meet. There's earthly needs, the need for food and shelter and clothing. We all have that need. When you seek the Lord first, he promises to provide that. And then we got spiritual needs. Man, our salvation, what's more important than our salvation? Not only our salvation, but that assurance of salvation, so that when we walk through the storms of life and we don't know where the next paycheck is coming from, we don't understand why people who profess Jesus can be so hateful to us. In the midst of all of that, he ministers peace, even in the midst of the storm, the peace that passes all understanding, assurance of salvation, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all those things. Only God can give that. Nobody else can give. Your pastor, I can't give that to you. I can point you to the one who can. So God's riches are endless. Imagine the biggest number you can imagine and put about a billion zeros behind it. That doesn't come close to God's supply. The scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Not only does he own the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns the hills up underneath those cows. Amen. I'm telling you, there have been times in my life and I've said, all right, Lord. I need you to sell some cows. I need you to slaughter some cows and help me to see you provide needs in my life. And he's always been faithful to do that. The same God who takes care of me, Paul said, will supply all of your needs. His riches are limitless. He is the creator of all things. Is there anything that my God cannot do? Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 says this. What's the price of two sparrows, two little bitty birds? I mean, if you try to eat a sparrow, there's not much on it. Two tiny little birds. What's the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Maxie, that's easier for some than others. Amen. I can pick on him because he's another one of my dearest friends in the world. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. If he takes care of the little birds of the air, he's going to take care of me and you and all of our needs. The message paraphrase of Philippians 4, 11 and 12, I think I may have read this for you last week. Paul said, I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much. As with much as with little, I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or empty. We all have needs only God can meet. Do not look to your spouse. Do not look to your parents. Don't even look to your church family. We all have needs only God can meet. Number four, write this down. God's glory. God's glory must be our motivation in all things. I don't give to the church to have my needs met. You know, I've talked to people who get unhappy in their church life, and maybe things aren't going the way they want, or the worship style's not the kind they like. So you've heard of this too. People say, I'm just going to withhold my tithe. I'll starve that preacher. I'll starve that preacher, that music guy out. Is that godly? I don't give to the church to get back my needs. I give to the church to honor the Lord, and then I trust the Lord with the results. God's glory has got to be our motivation and all that. Look at verse 20. Now, all glory to God our Father forever and forever. Amen. Why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? Why do we, Airline Baptist Church, why do we do what we do? The, the glory, the motivation should be to bring glory to God. The chief end of man is to glorify God. Our purposes as Airline Baptist Church are found in the Great Commission and the Greatest Commandment. To connect people with God and each other, to grow together in our walk with the Lord, to serve God by serving others, and ultimately to honor God with our lives. That's where we're going to spend the next 40 days, beginning next Sunday, 40 days of passionate worship. As you exit the building today, right 
right out here. There's a devotion book written by your staff and different members of your church. If you were here last year, we did something similar, a devotion, so that we're all reading the same thing, the same passage of, of God's Word every day. You can add that to your regular quiet time if you want to. There is a, a life group book back there. We do have a life group meeting on campus now. That's pretty exciting. They're able to social distance out in our fellowship hall, Brother Nelson Elrod's life group, and hopefully, Lord willing, we'll be able to all come together, but we have several Zoom groups that meet online already. There's a book back there, a learner's guide for your life group lesson, and then the sermons that I'll preach will go right along with that. 40 days of passionate worship. Why? Because that's our ultimate purpose is to honor the Lord Jesus. Dr. Canner has said many times at Troop McConnell University, he preached for us here not too long ago, and this fall, his bride, she's not going to preach, she's going to testify and tell her story of how God saved her growing up in a communist nation. You thought Dr. Canner blessed you. Wait till you hear Miss Hannah's story when she comes. But I've heard Dr. Canner on more than one occasion say, at Troop McConnell University, I'd rather train 300 warriors for Christ than 3,000 wimps who don't want to trust God. We want to honor God in all things. Our, that's our motivation and finally number five God can save the most unlikely people when we invest in his work God can save the most unlikely people when we invest in his work Philippians chapter 4 and verse 21 as Paul winds down this letter he's landing the airplane he says give my greetings to each of God's holy people all who belong to Christ Jesus the brothers brothers in Christ who are with me send you their greetings and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too here's what I want you to grab hold of especially especially those in caesar's household especially those in caesar's household may the grace of the lord jesus christ be with your spirit because of paul's witness because of the faithfulness of another group of believers to send gifts to meet his needs because remember we said last week in prison they didn't feed you and have a gym and color tv and air conditioning you relied on people outside to meet your needs the church had done that because they'd done that it extended paul's life he was able to point other people to jesus and apparently some high-ranking government officials in Caesar's household had gotten saved. Can you imagine? Think of the most wicked ruler you can imagine. Our God is big enough to save anybody from the guttermost to the uttermost. And those people had a point in that. I had a, a, a more moderate pastor friend send me a message last night. And, he said, Mike, I see you're active in, in other areas, and, and I am proud to go ahead and tell you I'm, I'm a part of something within the Southern Baptist Convention called the Conservative Baptist Network to try to make sure that our denomination always stays grounded in the Word of God. Brother Doyle, it's hard to believe we're having to do this all over again. Men like Doyle Conley were faithful back in the late 70s to help our denomination win the battle for the Bible. And he said, he said, Mike, one of the purposes of the Conservative Baptist Network says for people to be involved in public policy and religious liberty. What does it have to do with the Great Commission? I said, that's a great question that you would ask me. Because our ability to share the gospel, our ability to fulfill the Great Commission, it has some impact, not total, because here's Paul sharing in prison, but has an impact on those that we elect, the officials that we put into office. There are those that would love to shut down our churches. You don't believe me? Just look at some of the states right now in this coronavirus. It's okay to go out and commit crimes and break the law, but it's not okay to worship in the house of God. Something is wrong with that picture. I'm telling you elections matter. It matters what you believe. It matters who you put in office. And I've confessed before you proudly, unapologetically, and I'll do it till the cows come home. I don't know when they come home, but I'll do it till then. I'm going to always be a single-issue voter. I'm going to always, 
only vote for people who affirm the sanctity of human life from conception until natural death. Amen? It's important that you know what these politicians believe because if a child is not born into the world, I mean, have we, have we already aborted the next Dr. Martin Luther King? Have we already aborted the next person who could help us with the turmoil in our country today? Have we already aborted the person that could have brought a cure for cancer? It's important who you elect. Now, I'm not trying to be political, and some of you get nervous when I say anything about this. But listen, I went to Liberty University when Jerry Falwell was alive. What do you expect? I think it's important. The problems in our country are not based on Republican, Democrat, or Independent. The problems in our country lie on our doorstep, the church of the living God. If we had been the vocal, faithful witness that we ought to be, listen, when hearts are right, people vote right. When your heart's right, you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You're not going to vote for somebody that affirms. Can you believe I'm even saying this? The murder, the murder and dismemberment of unborn children. I don't know how anybody indwelt by the Spirit of God can vote for somebody like that who's going to appoint judges that will continue to affirm that. It matters what you believe. Now listen, if God can save people in Caesar's household, I'm just... I'm just going to be, I believe he can clean up the language of our president, Donald Trump. Can I just be that real with you? I don't know Donald Trump. I've never met Donald Trump, but I do know this. He has more evangelical Christians in his cabinet than any president in U.S. history. That's, and I don't know any of them except one, Sonny Perdue, is good friends of ours, our secretary of agriculture, former governor of Georgia. I don't know Do uh, President Trump's spiritual condition. He professes to know the Lord. Some who are close to him say he's a baby Christian. He needs to be discipled in the Lord. That's not my business. That's his. But I thank God there are people in his cabinet who profess Jesus, like our vice president, who are unashamed to stand up for Jesus. Elections matter. I've said too much about that. When President Dwight Eisenhower was elected to office, apparently he had never professed faith in Jesus Christ. While he was president of the United States, President Dwight David Eisenhower professed faith in Jesus and was baptized. After his Sunday baptism, he gave an address from the Oval Office that night calling America back to God. Calling America back to God. He called America back to her spiritual foundations. A few days later, he was a guest of honor at the first ever, it's a tradition that's continued to this day, the first ever national prayer breakfast. The president of the United States was there. In 1954, General Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, was instrumental in Congress adding under God to the Pledge of Allegiance. We're trying to erase all of our history. That's on their list somewhere. Mark that down. They'll try to take that back out of our pledge under God. And very soon they added in God we trust to our money. Now, I'm not giving one man credit for all of that, but because God's people prayed, God raised up a leader for our nation at that time who said, America, come back to our spiritual foundations. You cannot study the real history of America, not the whitewashed history of America in some of these government school textbooks today, but the real history of our country that was founded on biblical truth. After taking his oath of office as president, President Eisenhower asked 125,000 people in attendance to bow their head. He didn't call on Billy Graham to lead in prayer. President Eisenhower led in prayer. And here's what he said. Almighty God, as we stand here at this moment, my future associates in the executive branch of government join me in beseeching that thou will make full and complete our dedication to the service of the people in this throng and their fellow citizens everywhere. Seventy million at that time Americans saw that on national television. It became the talk of the nation. By the end of that decade, the statistics tell us that only 49% of people were active in a church or a synagogue in 19. 
40. At the end of that decade, it had risen to 69%. Many people say, because we had a man in the white who's, who called America back to her spiritual roots. It can be argued that that man had a part in that. My political hero of all times is President Ronald Wilson Reagan the Great. President Reagan said on August 23, 1984, without God, there's no virtue because there's no prompting of the conscience. Without God, we're mired in the material, that flat world that tells us only what the senses perceive. Without God, there's a coarsening of the society. We're seeing that played out, are we not? Without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be one nation gone under. He could have, President Reagan could have never envisioned when he said that in 1984, the world we're living in today. It's not a politician's fault, it's ours, because God says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, believers who are called by my name, if we'll humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then God says, that's how I'm going to send revival, then I'll forgive your sins and I will heal your land. We've got to pray for those in position of authority over us, and if we'll trust God and invest in the work of God, God can save even high-ranking government officials like those in the household of Caesar. When you're faithful to trust the Lord and honor the Lord and invest in, in his work. He can save your unsaved husband. He can save my unsaved son-in-law. He can save your unsaved child or grandchild. Is anything too big for our God? Who right now are you trusting God to save? Who are you asking God to save by the power of his Holy Spirit? Are you praying for them? Are you being obedient to do the things he's told you to do? Like be faithful in church, share the gospel, be faithful with the Lord's tithes and our love gifts. And then perhaps... God may allow you to be an instrument in sharing the gospel with them and seeing God change their eternal address. Look at your conclusion there. Number one, are you generously investing in his work or are you stingy with what God's given you? Are you generously investing in his work or are you stingy with what God has given you? Now, if you're tuning in for the first time watching us online or maybe you're a guest here today, I know the stereotype. Man, church just always talks about money. That's all they ever talk about. Listen, when you preach verse by verse through the scriptures as we've done in Philippians, is this not the text where we are, how God will provide all of your needs? I'm, listen, I want to see God bless you. God blesses us. God blesses me when we invest in the lives of others. Number two, are you trusting him to provide all of your needs? Are you trusting God to provide all of your needs? I told you last week, in the year prior to me becoming your pastor on paper, my wife and I should be literally, literally bankrupt. There is no way if you take a pen and paper and a calculator and add it up, we should have been able to pay all our bills. But we do it our best to honor the Lord. If that meant stocking cookies, that meant picking up dead bodies, listen, God will provide all your needs, but God expects you to work, amen? The Bible says if a man don't work, neither should he eat. A man who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. If I'd have sat home and just said, woe is me, man, we're struggling, blah, blah, blah. Man, I had to get up and I had to go to work. Some days it meant leaving my house at 3.30 to drive to Dahlonega and put cookies on the shelf at Walmart. Listen, don't be too proud. Don't think there's jobs that are beneath you. You do your best and you trust the Lord, and then he'll provide all of your needs. Number three, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Because that's the bottom line. Lost people act like lost people because they're lost. There's no Holy Spirit in them. If you've never come to a time in your life when you've repented of your sins and said, I can't do this on my own, Jesus. Maybe you've been religious, maybe you've been a church member, but you've never truly been born again. The promises of God do not yet apply to you, but they can. They can. Romans 3.23 says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every last one of us. 
The wages of sin is death and separation from God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, if I had to guess, most of us in this building have done that. But then he says believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. When you believe it in your heart, it will affect your life. It will transform your life. You'll be that new creation that 2 Corinthians 5.17 talks about, a new creation in Jesus. Are you sure of that? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, don't be worried about tithing and investing or any of that. You just need to make sure that your salvation is right. You need to make sure that your eternity is secure, that you've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. And then number four, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, will you sacrifice to honor God and reach others for him? Will you sacrifice to honor God and reach others for him? Is tithing a sacrifice? I would submit to you it's not. It's just obedience. If I've just tithed, all I've done is obey the Lord. My sacrifice happens when I give above and beyond the tithe, and I invest in other ministries that God may lay on my heart to do. Will you sacrifice to honor God and reach others for Him? And then finally, as we land the airplane of Choose Joy Philippians, will you, will you intentionally choose joy in all circumstances? In COVID, in a Sahara dust crowd, in unemployment, in a wayward child, in uncertainty about the future, will you, listen, those things are uncertain. But Hebrews says, Jesus Christ, our Savior, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do you know my Jesus? If you do, you can choose joy in the most difficult circumstances of life. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that this life is not about us. Lord, forgive us when we make it about us. Lord, forgive us when we're not satisfied with the needs that you've met in our life. And we let those needs, the desire for needs, to turn into greeds for things that we don't necessarily need. And God, you do give us so many blessings above and beyond our needs, and we thank you for that. But Lord, our greatest need is salvation and eternal life. Our greatest need is eternal life with you in heaven one day and the abundant life that you promise here on this earth. For the ones separated from you, unsure of their relationship with you, Lord Jesus, I pray today be the day of their salvation. Lord, for the Christian who finds himself out of work, for the Christian who finds himself mired in the circumstances of life, for the Christian who's gotten away from your word, they've not been faithful to open your word every day and to pray and to seek your face, God, I pray today would be a brand new beginning for them. Thank you for the promise that for children of God, you say in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Lord, I don't know the needs of all those that are here. I certainly don't know the needs of all those watching online, but I thank you that you're a good, good father, and you do. If you know the number of hairs on our head, you know the need of every person under the sound of my voice today. May we look to you. May we honor you. May we trust you as we honor you to take care of all the details of life and help us to choose joy, whatever that looks like, so that people would see Jesus in us. Even in times of uncertainty and difficulty, people would see that still, small voice that speaks to us, and we live it out in quietness and joy and in peace. And we'll be careful to praise you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, things are a little different because of this COVID thing, and I understand it fired back up, spreading some more, but I, I just have to have a time of invitation, okay? Our staff would love to talk to you after the service and pray with you. If you need to be saved, listen, you can talk to the Lord right there in your seat. 
if you need some help with that, these guys don't talk as fast. As, well, maybe Chase does. But this guy talks slower than me. And if you want somebody to talk to you about what it means to be saved, we'd love to take some more time to do that. If you just want somebody to pray with you and encourage you, we'd love to do that. But I certainly wouldn't want to find out that I've been exposed to this virus because I went to Walmart yesterday, God help us, and that I passed that on to you. And because I'm old and I can't hear good, if I'm down here in the music, I can get right in your face to hear you. So that our invitation is a time for just you, maybe you and your spouse, you and your family, you and a friend that you're with a lot. You just want to come to this altar and pray. That's what this time is for. If you just want to come and get some things or ask God to save that person that you think can't, they'll never be reached with the gospel. If he saved people in wicked Caesar's household, he can save the one you're praying for. Maybe you say, I don't know how God's going to meet all my needs. You just come and surrender that to him. Maybe you need to make a recommitment of your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You come and do that. You know, when we, God laid on our staff's heart to pray specifically for 120 in 2020, we didn't know about COVID and quarantine, but God did. I believe we got a God big enough to still help us reach that 120 in 2020. If you're praying for a church home to be a part of, if you know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life and you've been scripturally baptized, come and talk to one of us afterwards. Man, we'd love to celebrate with you and share with our church next week that you'll be one of the 120 in 2020. Maybe you say, Mike, I know I'm a Christian, but I've never been faithful to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Maybe you got sprinkled or dunked as a child, but you were not a believer. Listen, that happens after salvation. If you got questions, come and talk to one of us about that. But let's stand together. If everything's all right between you and the Lord, you just sing and worship. You need to pray, you pray. If you want to come and pray at this altar, you do that. Whatever the Lord speaks to your heart, let's do it right now. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest phrase, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Sing that again. My hope is built hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Sing that chorus, Christ alone. Christ Even in the storms of life, he's still Lord of all. 
You be seated, if you will, for just a moment. We'll be sensitive to those that are still dealing with the Lord. As I said, Pastor Andrew will be over here in our next step station, or whatever it is we call that. If you've got more questions over there, my wife and I will be back here to meet first-time guests. And I'm have Pastor Chase come up in just a minute and dismiss us and remind you about picking up your devotion books. If you're part of a life group, you can pick up that. You know, in the old days, we called it a quarterly. It's kind of like a quarterly, and, um, but we don't call it that anymore. It'll help you prepare for your life group um, each week. But you know, some of you, how many of you have never heard or met James Dollar until today, James and Harriet, until today? Some of you maybe never have. Many of you have. They served at Concord for many years. They're about to take a, their next big step in their life. Uh, they, he has received a unanimous call to be the worship pastor at First Baptist Church of Dawsonville, not far from here. We're so excited y'all will be back in the area. We get to see y'all more often. I would love for our church to pray over James and Harriet. Now, again, it's COVID and all that. I'd love to surround them and all of us hug on them, but I don't want you to walk out of here with the disease. But this is, this is such a blessing for that church, First Baptist Dawsonville, and a blessing for James and Harriet. God, like me, God used a difficult time in my life for me to be home with my daddy in his last days of life. Same thing for James. He was there with his daddy, Brother Jim, who I was blessed to preach his funeral. Uh, last year so James and Harriet do y'all mind just coming here and now you've already hugged Julie so Julie can you come and stand with Harriet if we got germs Julie's already given them to you and I already have to James but you know I just, I just want to pray for y'all I cannot tell you how much we love this couple and what they mean to us over the years father we are so thankful for this day God I thank you for friends God, it may be a corny old song, but I thank you for the truth that Michael W. Smith wrote so many years ago. Their friends really are friends forever when the Lord's the Lord of them. And God, I'm so thankful for what you've done in James and Harriet's heart and life in the last year. God, all the ways that you've grown them and strengthened them and prepared them to go and to lead this great church in worship not far from here. God, I pray your hand of blessing would stay on them. God, I pray they'd stay close to you. God, I pray that church would embrace them and love them and honor them the way that they ought to. God, I thank you for the new pastor that you brought to that church. We pray, God, that the next days of ministry at First Baptist Dawsonville would be the best days of ministry and effectiveness for the gospel in the history of that great church. And I pray you'll use James and Harriet to be a large part of that. God, go with them, provide every need. Lord, we know what it's like to, to leave a place of comfort and a place you love, to trust you in a new way. So God, remind them that you're going to provide for all of their needs, and we'll be careful to thank you and praise you. We look forward to hearing from them in First Dawsonville of the great things you're going to do in the days ahead. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you for letting me pray for our dear friends today. Pastor Chase, come remind them about what's coming up. In our 40 days of worship, if you're here for the first time, please come back and meet me and my bride back in this corner. Yeah, yeah. Again, if you want to go talk with Pastor Andrew back there, if you want to talk with me, I will be around as well. And, of course, Pastor Mike, our first-time guest, you can go get your gift back in the, yeah, in, in the back. Yeah, um, yeah. really, really awesome, awesome time. We are excited to launch into our 40 days coming up. We start next Sunday. July the 5th, so you'll see your family devotion. You get those in the back as you go. We've got two bins on the right and the left-hand side of these devotions. You can grab those right there. Um, so we'll start on July 5th with our family devotion, which, of course, echoes the pastor's message. And then uh, I guess we drew short straws, and I got the short straw because you got to open up on day two reading a devotion from me. So uh, I'm going to apologize in advance for that. But anyway, so I, it'll be good. You can just grab that right in the back as you leave. So your devotion, and then, of course, your... Uh, 
group guide right here. Those are back there. Everything looks the same, so it all looks like the bulletin, all that stuff. So just make sure to, to grab each one of those. If you, you know, somehow we run out, come find me. I've got more I can give to you. But that's going on, of course. In our worship guide, you can open up to, to read a special announcement from Pastor Kevin and our children's ministry about what's going on there. I know he wrote in that about that. And, of course, if you're a student and you're going to camp, you have stuff to get a Pastor Andrew. I'm sure whether it be deposits or forms or whatever that may be, camp is coming up. I'm excited because me and my wife are going along with Pastor Andrew and Sarah, so it should be good to, to travel down south to that foreign mission field down there and uh, enjoy camp with you guys. So that's going to be great. Uh, again, we're going to take up our, our tithe and our, 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 our offering, just like the pastor talked about. Our ushers will be in the back. As you leave, of course, you can give online. You can write a check. You could, you could even uh, drop it off tomorrow morning. However you want to do it, we'll be here to take it. So uh, with that, I think that's all I got. Don't forget your books. We're excited about those. And let's just uh, have an awesome 40 days of, of just worship. I love to worship. I can't sing a lick at all. But I love to worship. So that's going to be really, really great. And it's going to be a, a good, good 40 days. I'm excited. I've been excited as I was preparing those books and all kinds of stuff. So make sure to get those. Let's, let's all pray together. And, of course, drop your, your tithes and your offerings off as we, as we leave. Dear God, we, we, we thank you once again for the honor and the privilege of, of togetherness, God, of gathering together as we, as we have just done here on top of this hill, God, because you, as we say many times, did not make us to go through life solo, to go through life alone. You have called us, you have formed us, you have created us to come together in unity, Father. Even though it doesn't seem like there's much unity right now out in the world, God, you've called us to unity, unity in you as one body united for one common goal and that is to shout and proclaim and worship your renown across the nation father across the nation across the world and we're grateful for the honor and privilege to do so god be with each and every person in this congregation today that they will go out God, whether they're sitting in this room, listening online, whatever it may be, God, that they will go out into their community, into where they live, God, and have an impact for you. And you'll receive all the glory, all the honor for it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Listen, we'll see you next week, okay? You are the everlasting God. The everlasting God, you do not faint, you won't grow weary. You're the defender of the weak. You comfort those in need. You lift us up on wings like eagles.